You're listening to the Your Queer Story podcast, the podcast that inspires peace, love, and radicalism, led by your favorite hosts, Evan Jones and Paul Hobbs. Trigger warning. Our content covers centuries of LGBTQ plus stories, and occasionally we may use outdated language or cover topics that include violence, assault, homophobia, transphobia, as well as other injustices against marginalized communities. Make sure you subscribe and review wherever you are listening, and be sure to follow us on all social media at Your Queer Story. And if you want exclusive content, join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. You're here, now let's get queer. church and you tell them that you know a christian hymn and you know i actually have a confession to make what is this when i was a child yes (laughs) when i was a child Uh i went to this church called the fun church which you probably heard about it in indiana yeah and i just had like a lost memory return so i went there is this should this be recorded like i don't is this gonna i was not molested by a priest okay (laughs) that's not why i'm gay today um no so I thought for the longest time that I only went there like once or twice, mm-hmm. but then I had a memory return to me. I actually was in their choir. You were an altar boy, practically. Basically. You were a choir boy. And I remember I went there like twice, and then they were like, okay, all the people in the choir go to the choir room. So I just went to the choir room, because I was like, I want to be in the choir. And I sang in their Christmas show. Mm-hmm. And I was so distracted that... I was like the main person and I was supposed to lead us off the stage when we were done. Uh-huh. So then we finished our songs and I was just standing there and like the adults were in front of us. So one turned around and was like, <laughs> get the fuck off the stage, kid. Literally. God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that just returned me. And I'm a terrible singer, so I can't imagine. That wasn't bad. You just sang a little bit. Yeah, you but just it sang bad. for a second. I mean, it wasn't bad. It wasn't good. It wasn't like phenomenal. I wasn't blown away, but they weren't like off key or anything. I'm sure as a child I was. Well, I don't know. I didn't have alcohol then. I could have. <laughs> you could have. From my father, probably, if I wanted But <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Maybe a little more than alcohol. Uh, yeah. Here you go. Paul, Paul uh, the third, you want some meth? You want some alcohol? Let's oh, just do that. this. I'll, I'll let you in on all my secrets. A couple bumps of cocaine. You'll be okay. You're going to love it. Like, I don't oh. think my dad could afford cocaine. He was pretty... Isn't it expensive? I don't really know. Um, I've heard I it's mean, expensive. Yeah, I mean, it's more expensive than meth. Yeah, it's, it's the elite drug. I would say, like, the party drug that, like, the rich kids take that like cocaine but i mean plenty of like poor people take use use take uh i'm, I'm the they do for too long i've been yeah. sober for too long remember when <laughs> okay remember when you were told you had to take a shot of apple cider vinegar uh-huh and you thought yeah. you actually had to take a shot like oh. out of a needle <laughs> and i thought i had to inject <laughs> yeah. that's how sober I, it's embarrassing now my street cred is completely lost could you imagine I used to you be would the person, i would have died yeah literally so just i used to be the person that could like party all night long and now three years sober my trainer tells me to take a shot of apple cider bitter and i'm about to like <laughs> shoot that stuff up directly into my veins and then i realize which why which might not sound like it's something sober, but why? Because you're because of your tea, not because you're like well, yeah, sober that's off true. Of heroin. No, no, no. I just mean that like like that's how long it's been since like I've actually taken a shot of mm-hmm. something. I mean, I guess it's I haven't even done like a shot of cough syrup. Like I don't take like liquid cough syrup anymore either. I'll just take the pills. Oh really? Yeah, most cough syrup has alcohol oh, yeah, in it, and true. I just avoid it. So the last time I took a shot, it was a shot of tequila. It was someone's 21st birthday, uh-huh. and I bought her a shot, and she threw up everywhere. Ugh. But you know what? She's never going to forget me. The person who makes you throw up on your 21st birthday, you never forget that I person. don't know. How many people made you throw up on your 21st birthday? Do you even remember anyone at that party <laughs> other than me? <laughs> who uh, were the people? First of all, we didn't know half the people at that party because people just showed folks up. just started kept okay. walking into the house. But wait, we lived on the corner and we were throwing this huge rager with like huge. a 10 foot wide bonfire that was also 10 feet tall. We had a DJ, so... we had like a mountains of all the alcohol that you could ever possibly consume. I think you spent like $500 on alcohol. Oh yeah. And that was, was in Indiana. Yeah. So like alcohol was like half price. Plus everybody, it was it was also we told BYOB. everybody to bring, yeah, so everybody everybody to bring brought alcohol. A so everyone, and you know, 
it's a 21st do birthday. Do you remember, I had so many people there from my cosmetology school, but do you remember we were all standing in a circle in the kitchen, and yeah. one of them just went around with a bottle of vodka and like and poured it down poured everyone's, it, down it was the Fruity Loop vodka. That happened several times. Did it? I only yes, remember one. But the Fruity Loop I also remember. <laughs> I actually surprisingly remember a lot of that night. Like, but you, it was when a you, long Do you remember night. almost walking into the fire? No, literally no, the I ten foot wide that. fire. You're like heading straight for it. I, I literally sprinted across the yard and tackled you because you I were. I can't believe you remember that. I can't believe you remember anything. I remember a lot of that party. <laughs> I remember um, some stuff. I remember. I'm sure like half of them aren't real memories, but like, my, <laughs> you know what I mean? I was you like, think they happened? I think that happened. I just don't know what happened at the end. I just know that I passed out with a house full of people and I woke up and there was nobody in the house. Everything, all of our stuff was still there though. Yeah. I Thank you everyone. I don't for not know. We cleaned blind. up and got everybody out because. we. I was done. There was, you and I were both passed out and our roommate Liz was not home. She wasn't there for the party and my brother had left because he was at my parties. <laughs> was Sarah there at that point? No, she wasn't, because Liz was our Sarah at the time. Yeah, Liz was our, yeah, Sarah. So that was it. Out. Yeah, literally. So I don't know who cleaned up our house, but thank you to you, whoever you are. You are for a good soul. Good for you. Because. I don't know what I happened. Was, yeah. I, I passed out, and I wasn't, I actually slept in my roommate's room. Yeah, so <laughs> Sarah's she room. Wasn't, yeah, she yeah. wasn't there, so I was like, I'm sleeping upstairs, and then. I remember I, I remember waking up, and then you, like, coming in the room with me just so we could, like, piece together what happened. Yeah, exactly. And then I remember... I remember there being frosting on the ceiling, and... Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a good time. So, uh... It was cleaned up before good. you saw it, Mom. Good. Yeah, all of this started <laughs> with you not being molested at a church that you went to. No, I was in the choir. Yeah. Good. Um... <laughs> yeah. So, uh, welcome to your queer story. We are your host. I'm Evan Jones. And I'm Paul Hobbs. And welcome to another episode, like I already said. But you know what? I'm going to say it again. So, we want to say thank you to all of our followers. We have continued to grow, and it's because of you beautiful people. So please continue to download, subscribe, and share with everyone you know. Yes, and we'd like to say a special thank you to our Patreon followers, Michael Finlang, of the Knights Wishing Well. Uh, just remember that you can still grab a copy of that. You got a couple more weeks before Christmas. It's only $6 on Amazon Prime. It puts the fairy in fairy tale. Literally. So, literally. So if you want some queer uh, fairy tale or if you just need a, the perfect extra gift this holiday season, go to Amazon Prime, The Knights Wishing Well by Michael Finling. Um, get your copy today. And, and um, also, a special thank you again to Courtney Klein for her donation. And um, we also want to thank you for your kind words on our social media. We truly appreciate your support. Your donation helps us do so much from the website to community outreach and more. Yes. And Matthew Espinoza, you have been a regular supporter of ours for the past several months. And we just wanted to give you a direct shout out as well because we really appreciate your support. It has helped us do so much. Um, you've contributed every month for the last few months, and that means a lot to us. So thank oh, yeah. you, Matthew, for that. Um, but mostly, we appreciate everyone listening and yeah. supporting queer art. Yes, all of our all of our followers. A couple quick shout outs: Deanna Plebuck, uh, Kim Osteen, and Donald Glo- Donald Gold. Sorry, Donald. Um, you guys have it's also... literally the easiest just, last name on the whole <laughs> list. <laughs> a couple other of our Patreons. And anybody else you want to shout out, go on to our Patreon at patreon.com. Is it org? No, I always want to say com. Patreon.com slash your queer story. And you what? What? You looked at like, like I was I'm saying that. I'm just dancing. Patreon.com slash your queer story. You can donate. We have $3 tiers. We have a dollar tip jar. So if you just want to throw us a dollar that uh, our way for the holidays... We also have a $3 tip jar. We've got a $20 Patreon status. And then we've got levels for people who want to advertise, but that's not on there. So you can reach out to us if you want to advertise your business. Um, but thank you, especially at this time. Every little bit helps. Um, I'm excited about next year. We've got some good things in the works. We've got some really yeah, great things for our coming Patreon, for Patreon, for our YouTube channel. I was talking to someone today about things for YouTube channel. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, so we've got good things coming, guys. Also, the only content that I think I could create on my own is some gaming content. So let me know if you want to see that. If you don't want to see that, I won't do it. I but... think we should just put up a camera of David playing games. Oh, um, that would be funny. 
And I think people would enjoy it. I think so too. Like a little yes. spy cam, That'd little spy cam of David stomping. The he literally, you know how many stuff he's over. broken so many computer mics. Like I'm not he surprised. He just slams it down, and I'm, I'm like, not surprised. And he's always like, I don't know what happened. I'm like, well, you fucking <laughs> slam it into our glass no desk thirty times a day. Are you you're surprised it broke? Really? <laughs> no clue, huh? No, he no had idea. absolutely no idea. Wow. So yeah. So but we got some good content coming for you in 2019. Uh, a couple other things are up there already, but. That means somebody's by my door. Oh, someone's just walking by. All right. No, not necessarily. A car went by, so they probably picked up the car. So that's got to go off every single time a car drives past your house? Not every time. Just sometimes. Well, well, then what's the point if it only works half the time? Well, if somebody's on the deck, it'll go off every time. Okay, well, then what? It just picks up some cars that drive by, but not all the cars. I don't know why. I don't get it, Paul. I don't know. It's a weird system. (laughs) Yeah, but you know what? I always know when somebody's by my house. That's true. (laughs) <laughs> you can listen. Live in a constant state of paranoia. Okay, you know what? My biggest fear in life is being murdered. Uh huh. Yes. And I, I am not fucking around. I got yeah. cameras. I sleep with a knife under my pillow. <laughs> and I, there's two knives in my room at any given time. Don't tell people where they all are. Now someone's listening. They're gonna know exactly what to expect. Oh, that's not. The, uh, you think that's it? <laughs> I am prepared at all times if I if somebody tries to kill me. You have a crossbow underneath your bed. I, yep. Shotgun mounted. You can't shoot it, but you got it. I can shoot a shotgun. I was taught how to shoot guns in Indiana. Well, yeah. I guess I, I have, We're from Indiana. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's, it's the rite of passage. <laughs> so, what did you do this week, Evan? Um, let's see. Work. And um, I'm doing 30, day, 30 workouts in 30 days at the gym. So, um, I'm on day eight. So it just means that I'm getting 30 workouts in. So like if I have to miss a day, that I have to do two workouts the next day or whenever I have a day off. But um, I've only had to miss one day so far, which was actually because I was waiting for someone to record a podcast. So, um, but that's okay because I squeezed in too. Um, <laughs> we have been squeezing it in because of you. I'm always ready to record. Oh, you were not always ready. The- <laughs> I messaged you and I was like... <laughs> <laughs> At the last second, you're always like, uh, by the way, I know this comes out on Wednesday. Can we record on Monday? And when do you reach out to me? I'm ahead of the game now. I have three scripts ready, which one I really don't want to use because we have a guest who's supposed to be coming on and I want to save it for her. But I have three scripts ready to go. Well, I'm always available on Wednesdays and Fridays. Okay. Well, I'm closing Wednesday, but Friday might work. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. What did I do? I went to a special little family thanks birthday christmas giving um mm. one of the family members sisters was back from costa rica to visit so we kind of like did a little thing uh what else did i do we went to did i did i already tell about trans-siberian orchestra i don't no, remember no oh, you, so we, you said you were going yes yeah, so we went to trans-siberian orchestra i took yeah. david for his birthday it was really fun it was crazy. There was fireworks indoors. They made it snow indoors. There was fire going off everywhere. People were dropping from the ceiling. Oh. It was a show. Wow. Um, they, they need a costume designer, though. They were in some basic <laughs> costumes. Okay. Well, they're doing a lot of work here. So maybe they don't want okay. to put a lot of time why is into costumes. Per- why are these men dropping from the ceiling on this platform? The main singer, the woman, should have been dropping from the ceiling with a fucking robe that reached the floor. Why? All the way. Because it would have been elegant She's dropping fuck. from the ceiling. How about you just focus on the fact that she's throwing herself off she, no, she was on a platform. She was lowering. Whatever. She's throwing herself down to her death for your entertainment, and you're like, no, this she is not no, a goth. They needed a they needed a costume designer for sure. Right. So if anybody's looking for a job, reach out to the Trans Siberian <laughs> Orchestra. They'll benefit like, from it. By the way, I noticed the basic. <laughs> yeah, basic. Uh, yeah, I think that's really it. All right, all right, good. I feel like yeah. even more. I, I went to more, Samantha but. had her um, her community chorus concert christmas mm-hmm. concert this um this weekend which inspired my idea for our next script on the gay men's chorus but that's next week but um but yeah she had her she every year she has a christmas concert and then they have a spring concert so um yeah it's it's, it's pretty it's nice get you in the christmas spirit mm-hmm. so sounds good, good. stuff so today we are going to be covering the black poet activist feminist lesbian Audre Lorde. Badass bitch. Badass bitch. Yes, she is. And this poem is written by her. We say that because we don't want you to think that we wrote this, which you won't think that we wrote this. <laughs> but just, just saying. Just saying. Just put that out there before we start. So, woman power is, black power is, 
Human power is always feeling. My heart beats as my eyes open, as my hands move, as my mouth speaks. I am. Are you ready? Audrey Lord. So Audrey Lord's fierce activism and beautiful poetry would influence generations to come. Part of this was due to her very in- intersectional identity, which allowed such a wide audience to connect with the poet. But despite her fame later in life, Audrey first had to survive growing up as a black lesbian during the Great Depression and World War II. Born in New York City on February 18, 1934, Audrey was the daughter of two West Indian immigrants. Her mother was born in Granada. I even researched Granada. Granada. Literally. I can't help my A's. I told you, I can't do A's. I can't say them. I don't know how to. You're from Chicago area. I can't. A's are our thing. But it's my, because I was lived in South Carolina for a little bit and it messed everything up. You try having a Chicago slash Southern accent. It doesn't work. Her mother was born in Grenada and her father in Barbados, both small island countries in the Caribbean. Frederick Lord and Linda Belmer managed to find each other and fall in love in one of the most beautiful places on earth. However, the pair almost broke up before the wedding when Linda's parents objected to Frederick's much darker skin. While Lord was able to win the Belmars over with his quick wit and charm, his dark skin, which he passed on to Audrey, would always be a source of embarrassment for the Belmar side of the family. And we point that out because that was an ongoing theme in Audrey's life, especially with her mother, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But her mom, even though like she married Frederick and she had children with him, she was she passed as white. She had very light skin. Uh, she's passed in the in the Caribbean. She passed as Spanish, and she was always very proud of that. Mm-hmm. And Audrey always felt that her mother had um, like a bias t- against people with darker skin, and she like in a way held that against Audrey, or at least she, I, you know, it just caused a it's caused a strain on their relationship. You know, it's also such like a rough time. Oh, yeah. You know, for anyone other than white Christian. Well, I mean, even today, but more so then. Like, that was before the civil rights movements and everything. Like, I mean, imagine, yeah. Like, so they're already, they're immigrants. So they, you know, because they they immigrate, you know, from the Caribbean islands, you know, to the United States. And, you know, and she's she's passing as a white woman with a black man in the 1930s and 40s. Sure, that made things even worse. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough, but, you know. So at a very young age, Audrey formed an appreciation for poetry. She found it the best way to communicate her feelings and once said of her childhood. Hey, someone's walking by your door again. (laughs) I used to speak in poetry. I would read poems and I would memorize them. People would say, well, what do you think, Audrey? What happened to you yesterday? And I would recite a poem, and somewhere in that poem would be a line or a feeling that I would be sharing. In other words, I literally communicated through poetry, and when I couldn't find the the poems to express the feelings I was feeling, that's what started me writing poetry, and that was when I was 12 or 13. In high school, Audrey went to Hunter High School... Audrey went to Hunter College High School for girls. Like, literally, this college owned this high school, and they were like, you could just call it Hunter High School, and they're like, now... It's Hunter College High School. That would make things too simple. <laughs> of course. Me? Of course it was. Uh, it was an institution for the intellectually gifted, and Audrey was the first black student to enroll in the school. During this time, she had her first poem, Spring, published when it was picked up by Seventeen Magazine. I can't believe Seventeen has been around that long. Wow, that's actually shocking. Yeah, I that always is shocking. in my head it was always like a nineties, like two thousands, yeah, tra- right? like baby kind yeah. of like creation. This is the forties. This is the late forties. That yeah, or what I did guess they when I was like nineteen fifty. I don't know. Nothing I, they published today. <laughs> that's well, what I want to <laughs> see. Sure. Uh, I I tried to find this poem because, um, I, ironically, it was the same poem her school newspaper rejected for being inappropriate. So I don't know, but I couldn't find the poem. So I don't mm. know what it was that was inappropriate. But yeah. In her senior year of high school, she took part in the Harlem Writers Guild. The HWG is the oldest African-American Writers Guild in the U.S., However, Audrey did note that she did not feel fully accepted by the Guild. She was already beginning to realize that she was attracted to women. And she said of the Guild, I was both crazy and queer, but they thought I would grow out of it all. Of course, it's just a phase. It's always just a phase. 
So upon graduating from high school in 1951, Audrey enrolled in Hunter College, the sponsor of her high school, but in 1953, her father died from a stroke. Needing an escape from her father's sudden death and the strong anti-communist sentiment of the McCarthy era, because remember the Lavender Scare, Yep, 1950s. Lord left for Mexico. There, she discovered a temporary sense of home and belonging in Mexico. She lived as an out lesbian and experienced a more fluid racial identity due to her skin complexion. For the first time, she found a sense of herself as belonging, and in 1954, she returned to New York with a new voice. Lord graduated from Hunter College, attended Columbia University, and found work as a librarian. Yeah, so she was busy. Yeah, she t- I, I again, it was hard to find, like, in her younger life, there's, like, I know where she moved, but it was harder to find information on what it, she did. I just know that in Mexico, like... She starts like exploring her sexuality. She's probably just being her, like having oh, a yeah. good time, you know. Yeah, and then and like she noticed, she pointed out again. Of course, now she's surrounded by people of color, whereas in New York, you know, not right. so much. I mean, better in New York than like fucking Alabama. Well, I let's say Alabama, like fucking what Kansas, <laughs> but, <laughs> Kansas. But like still, you know, and like and of course, you know, she was very left leaning, like right away, like as a as a young teenager, she was all like already involved in political activism she was very liberal and like the red scare really lavender scare of the 1950s was just like too much hey questions do you own a business are you an author or an entertainer and would you like a great way to grow your audience well this commercial slot could be yours for just twenty dollars a month we can advertise your show on our podcast and as a rapidly growing queer content source we want to help get your name out there so if you want even more promotion you can just choose our thirty dollar tier to get ads and links on our website and for only forty dollars a month we'll review your product on our youtube channel and link it to all of our social media so go ahead send an email to your queer story at gmail today or reach out to us on social media via messenger and let us make your business a little more queer bye Bye. so though she identified as a lesbian audrey entered into an interracial marriage with edwin rollins in 1962 rollins was a gay man and the marriage was unconventional with extramarital pursuits audrey never spoke much about rollins and we don't know exactly why they married just probably for so, you know, well, so just here's the thing. Like, I thought that that I thought that was it because I thought like, oh yeah, clearly like she's gay, he's gay, so they married for like what cover. But yeah. then they had two kids together, and that that really well maybe I mean well she said she was a lesbian, so we can't say she was bi, but maybe yeah. she was. Well, I think that like at maybe that time, you know what. I'm, <laughs> this is all my opinion and I'm, I, my no, thoughts. Maybe, tell us what it is. Maybe she. Maybe because of the pressures of the time, she was trying. Yeah. You know, just trying to be what she thought everyone wanted her to be. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure, like, remember, like, she's already a disappointment to her mother just because of who she is. And now her father has died. Mm -hmm. And, like, even if you're a strong person who, like, stands up for yourself, there's still always this hope that you can make your parents proud. So I'm sure she doesn't want to heap on to that. Or maybe she wanted to be a mother. Like, she's a lesbian, but she wants to be a mother, too. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I mean... Yeah. If somebody ever wants to carry my child, but I'm not doing you, but if you ever <laughs> want to carry my child, just <laughs> let me know. Just remember that he's not going to do you. You can just Twitter me at, at the Paul Hobbs if you want to carry my child. <laughs> You're going to get a lot of people that are willing to carry your child. Yeah, right. Think... Nobody's going to message me. Nobody ever messages me. Oh, don't get bitter, Paul. Somebody send Paul a message on <laughs> on social media because he's getting upset. No, what is it? Was like so she ne- but she never talks. Another thing is like she doesn't talk about Edwin Rollins. So they're together for seven years, and she doesn't talk about him. And part of the reason that she didn't talk about him is that later in life, when she like fully comes out, the publishers told her like it was basically hurt her lesbian street cred if she talked about the fact that she had been married to a man for so long. I mean, that, I mean, it doesn't make sense, but it makes sense like. Yeah, it makes sense in that time especially because yeah. there's still like that within the own community there's like that bias against bisexual people, you know. Yeah, and not only that, but like fuck you, we worked this hard to be out and proud and here you were, you know. Right. In that time I can see how the uh, how people would like use that against her. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so there's a lot of complex things. Although she was still saying fuck you to everyone because he was white <laughs> and she was black. Yeah, yeah she, that didn't, was like, she didn't give a fuck about anything. No, she didn't. And that was in 1962, which was like one year after interracial marriage was legalized in the United States. 
So, so the two had two children between 1963 and 64. They stayed together for seven years. During this time, Lord began to identify more with the civil rights movement, attending the March on Washington in 1963, organized by Bayard Rustin, see episode nine. Um, several of her poems were also published that year, including Now That I Am Forever With Child. In 1964, she was included in a collection of poems compiled and published by Langston Hughes. As Lord continued to become involved in the feminist and civil rights movement of the late 60s, she also began to expand her career path. In 1968, she began a teaching career after earning a position as a poet in residence at Tougaloo College. <laughs> Sorry if I said that wrong. Well, it probably is right because it's based in Mississippi. And if any place is called Tougaloo, it's definitely in Mississippi. It's T-O-U-G-A-L-O-O. Say it how you want. <laughs> if you spell, if you name yourself that, like... Well, like, that's the name of the town. Well, they fucked themselves. Like, I'm not even going to attempt that. <laughs> Why didn't you go to Jacksonville, Mississippi? Then you could have been Jacksonville College. Or you could have just not named your town Tougaloo. Yeah. Way to go, Mississippi. <laughs> A private, historically black, liberal arts university based in Tougaloo, Mississippi. That same year, she dropped her first book of poetry, The First Cities. Like her year at the National University of Mexico, Tougaloo was a formative experience for her as an artist. It's kind of fun to say. It is. Tougaloo. Once you say it a couple times, it's fun. <laughs> she led workshops with her young, black, undergraduate students, many of whom were eager to discuss the civil rights issues of that time. Through her interactions with her students, she reaffirmed her desire not only to live out her crazy and queer identity but also to devote attention to the formal aspects of her craft as a poet. She moved around a lot. I'm so, I, well, I, I was like, I'm surprised that she moved down to Mississippi, but I guess if you're going to teach, like if you're going to go, like she gets to teach at an all-black college. Yeah, so. that's great. Yeah. I mean, it's not great, but like it's... Well, yeah, she can at least be in a community, right. you know. So in 1970, Audrey met and fell in love with Frances Clayton. Though still married to Edwin, meeting Frances was the final catalyst Lord needed to end her sham marriage. She and Frances moved in together and raised Audrey's two children as a family. Later that year, Audrey released her, sep released her second book, Cables to Rage. And this book was a poem titled Martha, in which Lord first publicly declares she is a lesbian. Martha. Martha. Why Martha? Isn't Martha... Okay, so um, in... What's that show called? Is it The Handmaid's Tale? Yes. They say they're Marthas. Is that like yeah. a religious term? That is a religious term, but I don't think that that's why this person... I don't know why this person is called Martha. I mean, Again, I couldn't find... There was There's few poems of hers that are available for free online, which is fair. That's how it should be. Yeah. But I looked all over for the Martha, and I even have a book of like um, literature by women um, mm -hmm. and... Uh, literature by women. Female literature. Um, and there was a couple of Audre Lorde's poems, but this one was not in there. So I was going based on what other people told me. Mm. So the story follows Martha, who suffered a severe accident, and Audrey, who remains by her lover's side for many months. So it's like the story. And then someone wrote that it also included, like, Martha being sent away to conversion therapy and undergoing oh electroshock. But then I Jesus. couldn't find other people that verified it. They just said it was a long poem. And, like, you can find it in the collection of Audre Lord, or you can find it in Cables to Rage. Um, so I don't know what happened. I just know that it's about Audrey and this woman being in love. And, like, they can't really be together because all this shit keeps happening to Martha. I don't know. Who, it's like one of those tragic tales. <laughs> Every is. fucking day something it's, happens. It's a basic lesbian love story, to be honest. I'm sorry. But just, like, <laughs> tragedy, tragedy, tragedy. Will they end up in the end? No. No fucking way. Every fucking lesbian show end. ever. If there could just be one lesbian movie. Well, you know what? What? Not only lesbian, but statistically, queer characters are always killed off in shows. Oh, yeah. Like, they never... Like, I was even watching... Spoiler alert. I was watching The Walking Dead, and I was like, oh my god, this gay couple has made it since season four. I'm on season eight. Guess what? One of the, the, the like, the, the more feminine boyfriend dies. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, what? I thought, I'm like, I was so excited. I'm like, The Walking Dead, look at you. Like, the gay characters are living, and you fucking kill them. No. But don't worry. Like, two episodes before, one of the other characters came out as gay. I guarantee oh. you, these two are going to fall up. Fuck that. I wanted the two original gay guys to because they were in love. Well, it is a zombie apocalypse, so... I would probably die so fast. Oh, I would definitely. No, yeah. you know what happened? I would be yeah. the one motherfucker somehow living, and I have no <laughs> skills. No, I'm hating the life. You're like, someone can kill me, Anybody? I have absolutely <laughs> no skills, and I'd somehow be the one person alive. You're, like, still pissed about no, it. No, you know what it is? What? I was thinking about this. I was like, I if I was ever on the show Survivor, uh -huh. I would, did you ever watch it? 
uh, like episodes here and there. Okay, so basically what happens is every season you got like the macho man, you've got like the hard workers, you got the really smart people, uh-huh. then you got like these one or two motherfuckers who just like slide under the radar, like nobody gets rid of them because they don't think they're a threat, uh-huh. and then like they just kick ass in the end. I'm yeah. like, that'll probably be me. Like nobody would think anything of me. My ass wouldn't do any work. Yeah. And they wouldn't get rid of me because they'd be like, he's not going to win anything. Like, fuck mm-hmm. him. Like, we'll get rid of him right at the end. Nobody's going to vote for him. But I would make friends with everybody. And I'd just slide on through. That's how do we get here. Do it. Um, I don't know. <laughs> we were talking about Martha. We were talking about how they always kill oh, yes, off they gay do. people. No, it's true. Well, like, I, so this summer, I was it this summer? Maybe it was last year. Whenever Love, Simon dropped, mm-hmm. that was the first, like, normal fucking show. It was just a regular rom-com and it happened to be, about, was, I don't know if it'd be rom-com, but it was just a little, yeah, yeah, rom-com. And it happened to be about two gay, or about a gay guy, you know? Like, that was the first normal gay show. And it wasn't insane, like, insane or There was like no crazy. like, oh my God, I'm questioning my sexuality. I guess he was questioning his sexuality, but it wasn't like, I'm going to be disowned if I come out. Mm-hmm. There was no, like, trauma. His boyfriend didn't die at the end. He actually ended up with a guy that he wanted to be with. Like, everything was good. Like, I've yet to see a lesbian film like there out there. I mean, I'm sure there's probably one, but, like, they just they don't happen. Yeah. So, I mean, not that it was... Audrey's fault. I mean, this this was the 1970s. Tragedy in, in lesbian love Left was right. expected. Yeah. But now, it's fucking 2018. Somebody get on board with this. Um, okay. <laughs> so, though the lesbian references caused some backlash, overall, the book met solid reviews. So, Audrey's work now became more political and more radical, increasing with the public outcry of injustice against people of color. In 1973, she releases... She, in 1973, she released the book From a Land Where Other People Live, which was nominated for a National Book Award. Though Audrey was still living out and proud as a lesbian, she was convinced by her publishers to omit one poem considered too homoerotic. It was called Love Poem. So look it up. Real clever with the name there. <laughs> She's like, and what's this one about? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Just gonna sneak it in there. <laughs> She would read the poem on her speaking tours, much to her publisher's chagrin, disapproval. Yes. <laughs> Instead, Lord was encouraged to build on her civil rights activism. Her poem, Who Said It Was Simple, brutally strips classism and racism among white feminists in just a few sentences. It reads, There are so many roots to the tree of anger that sometimes the branches shatter before they bear. Sitting in netics, the women rally before they march, discussing the problematic girls they hire to make them free. An almost white counterman passes a waiting brother to serve them first, and the ladies neither notice nor reject the slighter pleasures of their slavery. But I, who am bound by my mirror as well as my bed, see causes in color as well as sex, and sit here wondering which me will survive all these liberations." So, which was a big thing in the feminist movement, not only for um, people of color and women of color, but also for lesbians. We know we talked about when we did our Daughters of Belides way back, Mm -hmm. we talked about how the lesbian, like part of them forming was because the white white straight feminist movement had rejected lesbians and Mm -hmm. were afraid that lesbians were going to come in and corrupt their institution. And same thing, women of color were being rejected in in this feminist movement. It's like, oh yes, we want to be free, but only the white people. Only the white straight women. Exactly. Only the white straight women. And, you know, Audrey being a black gay woman is like, um, she's just as much an activist, more of an activist because she has more to lose. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like, fuck you, bitches, you know? Everyone thinks they're persecuted until you go down the line and you see yeah. who's really fucking persecuted. There's, um, if you go on our Facebook page, I just shared a video by, um, what's her name? Boo. Boo. Well, that's not I her don't name. know her real name. Her name I is Boo. It. She's on Orange is the New it's Black. Delaria is her last name, uh, but she plays Boo on Orange is the New Black. Anyways, so, but she talks about, first of all, I shared it because she talks about why she uses the word queer instead of LGBTQ which is why we chose your queer story. But she also talks about like how we are supposed to be, we're an oppressed group of people and we're constantly excluding other express uh, oppressed group of people. And the insanity of that about how ridiculous, you know, it's like, we're all being oppressed by the same group, but we're going to turn and be like, well, I'm okay. I'm okay, but you're not okay. And you're not okay. And you're not okay. You but know. since I'm okay, I'm gonna stand over here. Exactly. And good luck. Like I know um, that you, I know that you're feeling what I'm feeling, but I'm still gonna judge you, and I'm gonna hate you, and I'm gonna exclude you because you don't look like me. Um, 
Anyways, so, go ahead. The next year, Audrey dropped New York Head Shop and Museum, which again, met with rave reviews. In that book was the, po- the poem Power, written about the 1974 acquittal of police officer Thomas Shea in the murder of a 10-year-old black boy, Clifford Grover. Shea and his partner, dressed in undercover clo- clothing, had stopped Clifford and his father to accuse them of robbery. Instead, they merely startled the two individuals who had started to run away. Officer Shea proceeded to pull his gun and shot the 10-year-old twice, killing him. The officer claimed it was self-defense. He was the first police officer to go, to, tr- to go on trial for murder while on duty. A jury of 11 white people and one black, pers- and one black person found him not guilty. 34 years later, we're still seeing cases exactly like this. An unarmed black man or child is murdered by an officer, and the officer is acquitted, allowed to return to life as normal. Between 2014 and 2016, there were 15 prominent deaths of black men mistakenly killed by cops. Of those 15 deaths, only three officers were convicted, and only one received a prison sentence. And so those are just the ones that were actually died, not those that were beaten, falsely imprisoned, you Strangled. know. Strangled. Yeah. Well, yeah, so those are 15 people that um black men that died at at the hands of officers that should not have and one officer is in prison and i'm pretty sure that's the one in south carolina you can watch the video of him like he stopped and the guy was running away he shouldn't have been stopping the guy anyways Mm -hmm. and then as the guy was running away he just like calmly takes a stance and shoots the guy four times in the back and he's the only one that was like well i guess we have to send him to prison Mm-hmm. But then what's amazing is like, yeah, we said like in 1974, this happened. And like, if you said that was a story that happened yesterday, it, nobody would be like, they'd be like, of course, that's a story because it is a story that fucking happened yesterday. The names are just different. Yep. So, um, we strongly encourage you to read Audrey Lord's poem power. It is available for free online. We have not included it in our script as we feel our voices are not the ones to read it. It is a really incredible, very powerful uh, poem but we just uh, felt that it's just too it's not our place to read it right so but Lori did say of the moment she learned that the officer involved had been acquitted a kind of fury rose up in me the sky turned red i felt so sick i felt as if i would drive this car into wall into the next person i saw so i pulled over i took out my journal just to air some of my fury to get it out of my fingertips those expressed feelings are that poem so again, check out the poem Power. It is, again, free online, and we will add a link on our social media. Absolutely. So we're going to get back to Audrey's stories. These injustices took these injustices further fueled her activism and writing. She published the book Cole in 1974, which now earned her worldwide acclaim. As she prepared for her next collection of poems, Audrey began to dig deeper. She started traveling in search of ethnic roots. Lord visited the Caribbean and West Africa many times and returned from Africa with a stronger persona and self-confidence. She found a deep connection to African spirituality, which was reflected in the poem Between Ourselves. Two years later, she wrote that the essay, Uses of the Erotic, the Erotic is Power, which argued that greater connection with one's sexual truth can strengthen the fight against oppression. As Lord's fame grew, so did the demand for her to come and speak. In the United States and abroad, her international travels helped to clarify her theories on intersecting identities and difference. In 1977, Lord took the position of poetry editor for Chrysalis, a feminist quarterly publication. As she adjusted to her new role as editor, Audrey also released what most critics consider her finest work, The Black Unicorn. In this book, Audrey got personal. She spoke a lot of her mother and the love yet fear she had of Linda Lord. She also spoke of her mother's disdain for her daughter's dark skin. Linda had never been able to let go of her family's racism and prejudice, even with her own children. The two would have a strained relationship for all of Audrey's life. However, it did make for great poetry. I read some of those as well. It was good. Audrey's career and fame clipped along until a sudden roadblock hit her path. In 1978, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. She underwent a double mastectomy to remove the cancer, but just a few years later, the cancer came back in her liver. For 14 years, Audrey would battle the brutal disease. During this time, she published the Cancer Journals, her most iconic work. She helped to found Kitchen Table, Woman of Color Press, which was the first publication, which was the first publisher for women of color. She also continued to speak out against social injustice, even on her own side. She openly criticized the racism within the feminist movement. If white American feminist theory need not deal with the difference between us and the resulting difference in our oppressions, then how do you deal with the fact that the women who clean your houses and tend to your, chil- 
and tend your children while you attend conferences on feminist theory are, for the most part, poor women and women of color. So again, addressing how feminists come out and are like, you know, women are so persecuted. Also, I'm not going to stand up for the women. No, know? are you kidding me? Because they're not, they're not like us. No, they're not like us. But we're exactly. not like the people who are oppressing us. Exactly. So we're, but we're the better of the people who are not like the people oppressing us. Discrimination doesn't make sense. When you break it down, it doesn't make sense. But people rationalize. They work hard to rationalize it. You know what? I need to be on an episode of Drunk History. You do. I would be the best. You would. If you work for Drunk History, <laughs> and you're some, this out. for we, some reason, message somebody that you know that works in Drunk History. If you don't know them, just tweet them. Yep. Stalk them. Find mm-hmm. their phone number and call them. Tell them Paul Hobbs should be on there. Yeah. On an episode of Queer Drunk History. It doesn't need to be queer. I'll be on any episode. What are you going to talk about? I don't know. What do you know about? They'll tell me what to talk about, and I'll talk about it. You're going to talk about something you don't want to talk about. You're going to have to talk about, like, like I don't know, like uh, one of the battles in World War One. That would be fun. The I'll, I'll talk about anything. You talk about the Battle of Midway? Tell me about the Battle of Midway. Well, it's not World War One. <laughs> it happened. Yeah. So Southwest took a place in Chicago, and they named it Midway Airport. But the city <laughs> did not want them to move in, so they really had to fight to get the permit. Uh, sir, uh, we, were, we were referring more to the uh, World War II Battle of Midway. I know what I'm talking about. I'm from that okay, area. We just, we've already filmed a lot of clips. They're not going to really match up with this story at all. So uh... <laughs> There's just like some guy walking and there's like airplane sounds in the background. <laughs> uh, good, good. So yeah, definitely reach out to Drunk History. Paul is ready to go. I can go on there and just pretend to be drunk. You think anyone's done that? I don't think so. No. It wouldn't be as real. You can tell. You, you can, can tell. tell when someone's really drunk and when they're pretending to be drunk. You know who actually did Drunk History? Who? Georgia Harstar from My Favorite Murder. Oh, she did? And she actually did a murder, and she was so drunk she didn't remember she did it, so she did it on the episode of the podcast, <laughs> and her co-host is like, wait, you, you know you did this already, right? Yeah. And she's like, what are you talking about? Wow. There yeah. you go. They tell you, know, who do you think is responsible? Do you think it's Derek Waters that has to get them drunk, or do you think like there's someone else? He's like, Kevin. Make sure they get really drunk. Oh, I think they just provide them with alcohol. Like, human beings will get drunk on their own. Like, just give them the booze and, like, they'll go for it. Do you be pushing them? I don't, I don't know. Some I don't need to be pushed. Some people have a resistance to it. I don't. Just put the alcohol in front of me. And I'm, as long as I have, like, a ride, I don't give a fuck. Like, just mm-hmm. the more, like, if you keep bringing it, I'll keep drinking. I would be so disappointed if I gave someone two drinks, like, two average drinks, and they got drunk. You know what? I'd be like, no, nope, we're not you, doing this. Because that's me. <laughs> no, shut up. All right, first of all, I said average drinks, not your drinks. Your drinks are equivalent to, like, five drinks. Okay. So that's why you get drunk on two drinks. That's very fair. But I'm just saying if it was like two like shots of whatever and this person was already <laughs> drunk, I'd be like, you don't deserve to be on here. Get the fuck off of this thing. Again. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Audrey. We're getting really distracted today. So anyways, so Audrey's, but uh, back to Audrey was diagnosed with cancer and, and even diagnosed with cancer. She starts a publishing company with another woman. She um, continues her tour, continues writing and um, continues her activism through all this. And she also um, traveled overseas to Germany. In 1984, Lord started a visiting professorship in West Berlin at the Free University of Berlin. I don't know if they, that means free education yet. I don't think so. So she was, um, she was invited by Dagmar Schultz, who had met her at the UN World Women's Conference. During her time in Germany, Lord became an influential part of the Afro-German movement. Together with a group of black women activists, Audre Lorde coined the term Afro-German in 1984 and consequently gave gave rise to the black movement in Germany. Um, I'm not going to say the other word, but they coined the term Afro-German because it was replacing another outdated racist term. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like it was, you know, giving power to um, black Germans. She was fucking everywhere. She was. She was like, you know what, motherfuckers, I'm going to show you what's up. I'm going to go to this country. I'm going to go to this country and fuck you because guess what? I'm fucking me. Exactly. Like she's like in the, in America, 1960s and 70s. She's like, let's fight, you know, civil rights movement here. Let's get this gay rights movement off the ground. And they're like, okay, we're running pretty well. She's like, okay, well, let's go over to Germany, motherfuckers. <laughs> we're <laughs> not done. That's yeah. insane. While battling cancer, she exactly. You know what? I get stressed out if I have like three things to do, and she is just like <laughs> running shit. She does she not don't care. care. Wow, she's incredible. I know, right? So after a long history of systematic racism in Germany, Lord introduced a new sense of empowerment for minorities. In a 2012 documentary produced by Dagmar Schultz, the person who invited her, mm-hmm. 
Um, they de detailed, or sorry, um, they detailed Audrey's time in Berlin from 1984 to 1992, titled The Berlin Years, 1984 to 1992. So Dagmar had been following her around with a camera, recording everything. And so that's, um, I don't know where eight the documentary, years. I didn't have a chance to uh, track it. But yeah, eight years she was in uh, Germany and helping out over there and still doing all her shit over here. While battling cancer. While battling cancer. So, as seen in the film, she walks through the streets with pride despite stares and words of discouragement. The film also educates people on the history of racism in Germany, which surprised they had a lot. What? Not in Germany. Yeah. They've always been so tolerant. Absolutely. We're not ones to talk. I'm sorry, Germany. But also, uh, I feel like you guys are probably at the bottom of the list for racism. We're probably number two or three. But, I mean, like, <laughs> we're from, the bottom. Think from the bottom. We're, we're close to the bottom, but... Germany definitely, I mean... Ugh. I mean, they, I mean, there's a lot going they on. They had the other, Holocaust, yeah. So, like that just but automatically. There are genocides going on in Africa and stuff against their own self. That's true. So I, I, I'd say about the bottom, about in the say, bottom five are definitely the United States. And but Germany. they have been making good progress in the last like twenty to thirty years. That's true. Whereas other countries, and I don't want to name the United States, but other countries seem to be going backwards. Germany is actually like working on their shit because uh, so they give you that because they actually make it illegal to like. Hail Hitler and shit, and the yeah. United States are like, "Oh, you're in the Ku Klux Klan, like run for run for fucking office." Oh yeah, exactly. You're and, a white and that, nationalist. All those run for kids office. that took. Did you see that thing with yeah, the high I did. school seniors with, with the you know the Heil Hitler? Like fucking Germany has it illegal, but in America you can give it and it's okay because you know what the president is a nationalist and so it's okay. And the only person to hate to hold out on the summit for climate change. Did you see that? Yes. The are only you surprised? one. He he doesn't believe it. He tweeted that he doesn't believe it. I know he doesn't believe it. It's fucking 61 degrees in December 3rd in Rhode Island. Mark it down in the history, folks. <laughs> folks, folks. 61 degrees. But I guess because Trump's not here, he can't see it. Like, I, I don't know. Fine to me. It's gonna, we're going to have one snowflake tomorrow and be like, oh, and they're talking about global warming. So, <laughs> hey, we have snow in December. It's definitely getting warm. Fucking This film enables viewers... <laughs> So, I don't know what's going on with us today. I don't know what it is. We're we like off on everything. Sorry. <laughs> we're on today. We're on because we're off. So That's right. This film enables viewers to understand how Germany reached this point in history and how the society developed. Through her promotion of the study of history and her examples of taking her experiences in her stride, she influenced people of many different backgrounds. The film documents Lord's efforts to empower and encourage women to start the Afro-German movement and the way she inspired these women to create a community of like-minded people. In 1988, Audrey and Francis split up after 17 years together. Didn't say. There were, I was a little frustrated. I'm sure there's a, probably a better biography about her, but I, I was just pulling stuff that I could find. So um, uh, they didn't talk a lot about any of her relationships. I mean, she was a very she might not have open. Been oh, she was, but no. what was she open about her relationships? Because like, no, that's Freddie Mercury mean. was not. Yeah, he didn't. You know, she was. She was very open about the fact that she was a lesbian. Like she identified as a lesbian, but. She wasn't, it doesn't, she didn't talk a lot. There's just not a lot uh, yeah. about their relationship. But just know that her and Francis were together for 17 years. And then shortly after they split up, she began dating Dr. Gloria Joseph. And the two would live together for the rest of Audrey's life. Unfortunately, she didn't have much time left. But she did spend her time fighting and writing just as she always had. Her book, Zami, A New Spelling of My Name, her only novel, had been released in 1982, and in 1984, Sister Outsider, a collection of essays and speeches, was published. Today, it is used in college classrooms around the world as a source of study. Her final iconic work was published in 1988, A Burst of Light, which won her a National Book Award. And the last book published during her lifetime was Undersong, Chosen Poems, Old and New. So the book was released in 1992, and in November of that year, she succumbed to liver cancer and passed away in the home of her partner, Gloria. Her death was mourned around the world, and her ashes were spread in the United States, the Caribbean, and Germany, which I'm sure she would have, she, I'm sure, yeah, if, she, yeah. I'm sure those were her wishes. Yes. I mean, obviously, but yeah, it, it's fitting, you know, because those were the three places that she really, like, like, had her heart the most. So The Marvelous Arithmetics of Distance was published posthumously posthumously in 1993 today there are several tributes to her there are several tributes in her name the callan lord community health center is an organization in new york city dedicated to providing medical health care to the city's lgbt population regardless of one's ability to pay 
The Audre Lorde Project, founded in 1994, is a Brooklyn-based organization for LGBT people of color. The Audre Lorde Award is an annual literally, literally, <laughs> it's literally an award <laughs> for literary prison. I got this. The Audre Lorde Award is an annual literally, oh my God. <laughs> you better cut this out. No, this is all going no. in there, so you better get it right. So, the Audre Lorde Award <laughs> is an annual literary award presented by Publishing Triangle to honor works of lesbian poetry first presented in 2001. And in 2014, Lord was inducted into the Legacy Walk, an outdoor public display in Chicago, Illinois, yay, that celebrates LGBT history and people. And these are simply the physical reminders we have of her legacy. The truth is, all of us in the queer community and various communities around the country and around the world continue to feel the effects of her life today so your recommended resource is power by audrey lord or check out the collected poems of audrey lord our resources were britannica the poetry foundation the glbt encyclopedia and outhistory.org also make sure you download and share this episode and other ones and if you could drop a dollar or two on our patreon we appreciate it um, we've got some good things planned for you next year. And as the time of re- and at the time of recording, we are fifteen dollars away from our second goal on Patreon. Yes. Which once we hit that, we will be doing a one-hour live question and answer where you can mm-hmm. ask us anything, and I will mostly answer any question. Mostly answer what questions will you not answer? I, I mean, I'm not going to be inappropriate, but <laughs> okay, I'll answer mostly any question. Basically, any question. Um, and I have a new update video on my testosterone update, 10 months. Um, and also... It's been that long already, wow. Yeah, I know, right? That's incredible. 10 months, yeah, February is going to be a year on testosterone. So, I have a t- uh, 10 month testosterone update video. I also am putting up a video, uh, have a, a video of setting boundaries. And one of the things, which might not drop till January, but I talked to a local trainer about putting up a video on, uh... Fitness as a uh, queer, non-binary person. Mm-hmm. So, um, good things. Um, and those, and most of those are exclusive only to Patreon subscriptions of $3 or more. So, even if, you know, and there's no monthly, or there's no, like, yearly commitment. It's just yeah, you can subscribe for, as you go. You can subscribe for 3 bucks, watch everything that's on there. And then, then get if out. You don't, yeah, if you don't want us to keep subscribing, you can hop yeah. off. Yeah. So, uh, thanks for listening, Christians. We love you, our suckling sapphists. We value our allied hookers. And don't get a lot of bottomy homos. Bye. Bye. You really cannot talk today. I can't talk. My mouth's all messed up. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe and review wherever you are listening and follow us on social media at Your Queer Story. Like what you heard? Want to share your story? Send us a voice message to add to the podcast from the Anchor app or at anchor.fm slash yourqueerstory. And if you would like to support the work we do or get exclusive content, check us out on patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. See you next week. Bye. Bye.